Do you know anyone with a birthday? Get them some custom art at artofericpabone.com. Want to impress your significant other on your anniversary? Skip the wilted flowers in the dirty CVS teddy bear. Commission a custom family portrait at artofericbabone.com. Maybe you're just like me and you like unique pieces of art, celebrating your favorite films, comics, and pop culture. Head to artofericbabone.com and shop till you drop. And don't forget, MOTCU listeners get special discounted pricing on all custom art. Don't pay some cookie-cutter bullshit from Hobby Lobby. I'm pretty sure child labor was involved in that painting of a cow you just had to have. Be a hero and support local art at artofericpabone.com. So we have finished up the art gallery scene uh, real quick with that. Terry walks in at the end of that, and he acts like a douchebag to Tess. Um, she tries to kiss him, and his response as he backs off is, in my hotel, there's always somebody watching. It's a kind of important line. I, I bring that up now because it comes back to bite his ass later in the movie. If you get um, a there's always somebody watching in the first act, you're going to get a there's always somebody watching in the third act. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's what happens here. Uh, so we are now down on the casino floor. Uh, Lyman Zerga, Saul is playing Baccarat. Um, he's getting some advice from some of the other high rollers, and it's pissing him off. Uh, the high roller he's speaking to is actually the movie's producer, Jerry Weintraub. Um, he's in all three Oceans movies. He plays different characters in this one and the second one, and I think maybe the same character in the third or different characters in all three. I forget. Uh, but, you know... He's like a typical old-school New York mob dude, but he's a movie producer in real life. Um, also at that table that, that Zerg is playing um, Baccarat with is Bernie Heumann. Uh He's uh, Siegfried and Roy's real-life manager. Um, they obviously, well, they both passed now. Um, I, I think one of them passed since we redid this movie. <laughs> I think it just happened. It's sadly so. But um, he's also at that table, and he's been in a couple of the Oceans movies as well. Um, so Benedict is watching this. He's talking to his floor manager. Lets him know that Zerga has a request for him. He doesn't know what it is. Um, he describes Zerga as some kind of businessman out of Europe, and possibly he deals in arms. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, they don't know much about him. Um, the cool thing about Jerry Weintraub is that he he's known as the Pope of Vegas. He knows everybody in Vegas, and that's why they basically this whole crew had an all access pass to everything going on because he was good friends with Steve Wynn who owned the Bellagio at the time. Uh, so they were able to, you know, use the surveillance video from the casino and for in real life and, and, and everything. Uh, so he opened a lot of doors for them to get this movie made as well as it was. Uh, we shift from there to Tess at dinner. She's waiting for Terry to show up and um, Danny shows up first. So Joe, roll that clip. You're 30 seconds late. I was about to send out a search. Hello, Tess. What are you doing here? 
I'm out. You're out. A prison. You remember the day that I went for cigarettes and didn't come back? You must have noticed. I don't smoke. Don't sit. Now, they tell me that I paid my debt to society. Funny, I never got a check. You're not wearing your ring. I sold it. I don't have a husband, or didn't you get the papers? My last day inside. I told you I'd write. Danny, go now before... What? Benedict? How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. Danny. Tess, you're doing a great job curating the museum. The Vermeer is quite good, it's simple, vibrant, although his work definitely fell off as he got older. Remind you of anyone? And I always confuse Monet and Manet. Now, which one married his mistress? Monet. Right, and then Manet had syphilis. They also painted occasionally. Mm -hmm. I'll make this quick. I came here for you. When I get on with my life, I want you with me. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. I don't do that anymore. Steal? Lie. I'm with someone now who doesn't have to make that kind of distinction. No, he's very clear on both. You know what your problem is? I only have one. You've met too many people like you. I'm with Terry now. Does he make you laugh? He doesn't make me cry. Mr. Benedict, the fight is Saturday night, is it not? Yes, would you like some tickets? No, no, hand-to-hand -hand combat does not interest me. I have a package arriving here that evening. A black briefcase, standard size. The contents of which is very valuable to me. I'll put it in the house safe for you. The house safe is for brandy and grandmother's pearls. I need something more secure. Mr. Zerga, I can assure you that our house safe is... And I can assure you, Mr. Benedict, that your generosity in this manner will not go overlooked. Now, what can you offer me besides the safe? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of great lines in, in those two conversations. Um, I I absolutely love Tess's comment about when he's asking about Monet and Monet. Yeah, and they paint it occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love that comeback. It's so witty. And... Uh, that and, and the you know, like does he make you laugh and yes chill. he doesn't like, make, doesn't me, make cry. me cry but that's what um, we call in the business a uh, sick fucking burn yeah exactly she she gets him good and then uh, we transition to a quick conversation with with uh, Lyman Zerga and and Terry about the uh, the vault and again a, a great line is the house safe is is good for brandy and grandmother's pearls it's such a good line. Um, Andy Garcia mentioned after that it was so hard to work with Carl Reiner because he made him laugh all the time. Like he would, he would, he would break him all the time when they were doing scenes like that. The few scenes they had together, uh, because he's just so naturally funny, you know. So that was cool. Um, yeah. So Danny, we we jump back to quickly to Danny and Tess continuing the conversation. Uh, he doesn't want her to be with Terry. 
Uh, Terry shows up. <laughs> it's a bit awkward. Um, you know, they have a quick conversation, quick back and forth. And uh, we see Danny leave the restaurant. And as he walks out, we see Linus behind him following him. Because, uh, you know, Rusty doesn't trust Danny. He needs to, to get to the bottom of this. Um, the next scene is uh, we see Basher. He's in the hotel uh, room. And he's crafting the jewels, as we'll call them, that are used later in the movie. Um, and we cut outside to a ceremony of the destruction of the fictitious Xanadu Hotel. Um, they had to make that fictitious, and now, God, because it's been a couple of months since we did this movie, I don't remember the truth. <laughs> so why did I apologize? <laughs> they had something filmed. Oh, that's what it was. They they had the destruction of one, one of the real hotels in Vegas filmed, and it was in the movie, but right out it, because 9-11 happened, they didn't want to show the destruction of a real... Like, oh, it was New York, New York. They were going to show the destruction of New York, New York, even though that's still standing today. But because of 9-11, they did not want that to be shown. So they inserted this with the Xanadu Hotel. They changed a couple of scenes to to cover this. And they used the demolition of some building or something and, and, you know, sort of CG'd it in. Um, It's a cool scene. It's got really one of the cool shots in the movie to me uh, where there's a huge crowd looking at the stage where the fake plunger is that that's going to detonate the, you know, implode the, the uh, building. Everybody's looking at the stage, a huge crowd because there's celebrities up there. The two boxers in the fight that's going to take place are up there and, you know, uh, different people. They're all looking at that. Everybody turns around to look at the building implode behind them, except Linus who's looking at Danny and Danny who's looking at Tess. And it was pretty cool because everybody in Houston turns around except Linus and Danny. So I was, I just, I love the way Soderbergh did that. I thought that was really cool. Um, and it, it's funny because Basher, who's you know into explosions, he's watching the Xanadu collapse on television when it's happening right outside his window. <laughs> we can just turn around and see it live. He's watching it on TV with his jaw that. slack, you know. And when the power goes out from the explosion, he looks kind of pissed. Like, what happened with TV, man? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, he's I think he's, he's inconvenienced, more pissed about like the whole fact that like his plans fucked up. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, so yeah. As that scene ends, the power goes out after the after the explosion. Um, so, um, our next scene is back at the hideout. They start to review the plans now. Uh, most of the gang is there. Um, Yan is practicing his part. In the vault, um, you know, he's he's on top of the, the carts that he has to jump from to avoid the floor sensors and land. Uh, the crew is betting that he's going to short it because <laughs> they just can't help themselves. They're all gamblers. Um, so uh, as they're doing this, Basher comes in. He's covered in shit, <laughs> actual sewage, um, and he's pissed because the guys who did the demolition – they screwed it up to the point where his plan for cutting the power, they accidentally did. So now they fixed that. So he can't do that anymore. So they got to come up with a, with a new plan. Um, he quickly thinks about something called a pinch. Uh, it's basically an EMP and an electromagnetic magnetic pulse. He explains it's, you know, all the carnage without it. You know, it's the damage without the carnage of a, of a nuclear explosion because it basically cuts, cuts the power to anything within its radius for a period of time. Um, there's one that they can steal. Uh, it's at the California Institute of Advanced Science. Um, so they realize this is their only option. They've got, I think, a day, 
at this point to to the heist, so they need to get this done a day or two. Well, can so, we pause for one second? Yeah. We, yeah. we touched on Sheetle's accent. Just watching this movie again, like, to get caught up, you know, it's been a minute. Yeah. The scene where he's covered in sewage and he's explaining the pinch to the crew and all that. Yes. This shot is, is he's in the center of frame, so it's just Sheetle, and then it's the back of, I want to say, what's the crew consist of, like, ten other people? Yeah. 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 So I got to imagine, like, filming this was torture because he knew it was bad. <laughs> they knew it was bad. That's very and the true. Sh- yeah, the shot is literally like, okay, you guys are just going to stand in the semicircle and listen to him give a solid minute-long monologue. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's fucking, it's terrible. Yes. I, I Could he not good. have possibly washed his face off before he went there? No, I know. He well, he was so livid, I guess. He just I mean, literally shit. shit all over his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because when he first gets there and he starts talking, he's taking his shirt off, and Yen, Yen, he's acting like a little kid. He's holding his nose, and it's just totally <laughs> repulsing him. As the this smell um, is pretty funny. Um, and what yes. did he accidentally fall into the sewage or something? Well, he, yeah, I know exactly because in this, in the scene where he's looking at the guys looking at the plans, he's in the sewer, but he's not in the water. I mean, he's like walking on the side. Those yeah. like Ninja Turtles. So yeah, he must have he must have <laughs> fell. You know. They they thought it was a nice gag, but maybe that's why he's so pissed. He would have been fine if he didn't fall in the shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, so they put a small crew together of the uh, of the Mormon twins, Danny, um, uh, Yen, and um, yeah, yeah, it's Basher, and then yeah, so Linus. they took six people with them. It yeah, took I know. more than half the crew to do something they only need three people for. Yes, exactly. There was no reason for any of it. Um, so they they arrive at the California Institute of Advanced Science, and um, the three three of them go: Danny, uh, Basher, and uh, and oh, I'm losing my yeah, and yet no, not Yen, yeah, and yet yeah, 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 they go into they go into steal the the pinch. Um, the Mormon twins are driving Linus crazy. He doesn't want to be in the van with them because they're they're absolutely insane. They just go at each other like two school kids. Yeah, it's um, basically like Hawaii Five O. I love the twenty questions. <laughs> is it a guy? He goes, "Is it a guy? Yes. Is he alive? Is he alive? Yes. Evil can evil. <laughs> God damn it! Damn it! <laughs> it's so good. So Linus leaves to help the rest of the crew because he can't. He don't want to be with the Mormon twins anymore. As he's going in, they're coming out with the damn pinch. Um, they almost drive off when Danny realizes that Linus isn't in the van, and they stop, and they see him running around like an idiot in the fucking building, and the guard's chasing him. So he, he finally escapes. He breaks, throws a chair through a window. He escapes. He jumps down on the van, um, and as they're leaving, he, um, the van door slams on Yen's hand, breaking his hand, uh, which is obviously bad news for the grease man. Danny lays into... Uh, he lays into to Linus about it, you know. If you, if you lose focus one minute and somebody gets hurt, you know. Um, and then we've got a clip, so Joe, roll it. Where are they? That's what I want to know. Where the hell are they? They will be here. They will be here. I I just I just love that I love that clip. They will be here, <laughs> and just Elliot Gould calling him a schmuck. It's so great. Um, 
So, yeah, they're waiting for the boys to get back. Um, they do arrive back in Vegas. Has a very awkward elevator ride with Danny and Rusty and, and Linus um, <laughs> because they're pissed at each other. Um, they get into the room and Livingston lets them know that there is a problem. Danny has now been red flagged by the casino, which means they will watch his every move as soon as he's on casino property. Um, Rusty makes the call that Danny's out. Uh, the gang protests, but they understand that, you know, it has to be. Linus is going to take his role. Um, Saul, has he has a great line. He goes, Tess is with Benedict now? She's too tall for him. <laughs> and it's true because she's way taller than he, than he is in real life. Um, they sort of toned that down. I think they might have put him on a little bit of a box when they were together. Yeah, um, going back to my uh, argument. Yeah, exactly. She, yeah, she's too tall too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, we jumped to a quick scene of Terry and Tess prepping for fight night. Um, Terry's on the phone, and a little piece of trivia about this. He's on the phone telling somebody that, no, I, you know, somebody was asking for tickets. Some executive was asking for tickets, and he didn't have any. And he goes, you know, he, Mr. Levin can, can watch the fight on HBO. I'm sure he has HBO. And it turns out it's a dig or a joke. I'm not sure. The, the CEO or president of HBO that's his name is Levin or Levine. So it was basically a joke or a rip on him that, yeah, of course he's got HBO because he runs HBO. So he's not getting tickets from me. Um, we jumped to Saul. He's in the bedroom at the, at the suite there getting ready, putting his, uh, his suit on. And he, he, we can see he becomes dizzy. You know, he doesn't look well. Um, Rusty catches the tail end of that and he's concerned about it, but you know, he lets Saul know it's time. And Saul says, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Um, things start to happen really more rapid fire at this point in the movie. It's pretty cool. A lot of, a lot of quick cuts and such. Um, we get a quick shot of the MGM Grand Arena where, where it's fight night. Um, the celebrities, a lot of celebrities on hand, um, at least celebrities that an old dude like me would know. <laughs> um, Angie Dickinson and Henry Silva, who were in the original Ocean's Eleven, uh, the Sinatra version back in the 60s, they're there. Both Siegfried and Roy and their manager, Bernie, is there. Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet, Wayne Newton. Um, they even use Steve Lampley and, and Larry Merchant from HBO to do the fight analysis. Um, so um, they we get, jump to a quick scene of Saul as Lyman Zerga meeting Terry. Uh, he's got his case, his briefcase, and he's put in the vault with his, with his valuables, as he calls them. Um <laughs> So on the way through the casino, uh, Benedict spots Danny, and um, you know he grabs one of his his lackeys there and tells him, "Listen, we need to pick up. We need to pick him up." Um, Saul is spotted at one point by an old acquaintance. Um, his name is Bucky Buchanan from Saratoga, and that's a nod to to uh, to Bucky uh, from um, uh, Captain America. Um, Soderbergh is a fan, so he called this guy Bucky Buchanan. So that was pretty cool. That's um, a deep cut reference, man. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely meta. I like, I like that. I like that that thing. But I just, I love that whoever that actor is from Saratoga. He's like <laughs> such an old school dude from the East Coast, you know. Uh, almost blows his cover. You know, Terry kind of side eyes Saul a little bit, but you know he keeps going. Uh, we got a quick little montage showing the pinch being loaded in the back of the van. Um, that thing looks like it weighs like 5,000 pounds, but they were able to build a shelf in half a day to have it slide yeah. in the back of the van without a problem. But movie magic at its best, it's well, great. Well, three of them also lifted it into the back of the van. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Um, so yeah, we got a, that's a quick montage. We see that, and then we see the Mormon twins bringing a cart. They're dressed as uh, bellhops. They're bringing or as food service guys. They're bringing the cart into the back of the Bellagio. Um, the cart is brought up to the room where Yen is wrapping his injured hand in a bandage because he broke his hand. Uh, we jump back to Zerga and Benedict with the casino manager um, as they head to the control room so that uh, Mr. Zerga can watch from, you know, video monitor his case being put in the vault because he's not allowed to go down there. Um, Terry leaves uh, him with the with Walsh, the, uh, the casino manager. He's very annoyed, you can tell. Um, he, 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 um, Garcia has a very distinct walk when he does that. So like he, when he leaves the, the control room and he heads towards the elevator, it's very, very Garcia, uh, Andy Garcia. I, I like his walk like that. Um, so now we see, uh, Linus, he's ready for his, uh, main act there. He intercepts Terry on the casino floor as his character, Sheldon Willis, who works for the Nevada gaming commission, uh, about a problem with one of the dealers. Um, we quickly again jump to Danny. He's sitting at a bar. He notices, he sees Tess and he starts to follow her. And we watch as he gets up behind him, a, a couple of, uh, of uh, Terry's, you know, goons, the twins, uh, they start following Danny. Um, we jump back to the room where we see Yen, uh, you know, he folds himself in half, which is like fucking impressive. He literally folds himself in half to slide down into this container. Um, and you know, when Rusty asked him if he's ready, he just flips him off. Um, again, I think we talked about this the first time around, but you know, they give him an air tank and you know, it's referenced that he's 30 minutes worth of air in there. That thing is so not airtight. It's not funny. Like <laughs> you, you even see when Rusty closes yeah, the top of it and he clips flat. it, it sticks, it pops back up. It's so bad. Not to mention but, through the like side, you can see it's a round little tube inside. It's not like they even tried to hide, hide it. And make no, it. exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's one of those things you're just supposed to roll with and I rolled with it, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I and I guess it's, it's stuff that came up more for me now that, because of this show <laughs> that I'm noticing shit like this, but it's still great. So, um, so we are now, you know, we're now listening to Linus talk about, uh, talk to, to Terry about Frank's alias. So what they've, is they've targeted Frank, um, or Ramon Escalante as he's known. Um, they're on the casino floor and he's telling them, you know, the fact that Frank Catton, you know, he's got a, he's got a record as long as mine. Well, you know, it's long. <laughs> um, Terry, because he's a cautious man, he tests Linus and asks him some questions about a, you know an agent at the the Nevada Gaming Commission. Um, he you know Linus passes the test. He does a good job. Um, they head to a back room to discuss it. They don't want to do it on the casino floor. Um, here we have another one of my issues that never came up until I started watching it for the podcast. Uh, the Mormon twins exit an elevator with the cart. They're now dressed as uh, the casino security pushing the cart um the the camera pans to the elevator and we see that their belt their bus boy uniforms are piled up in a corner in the elevator which you know pre 9-11 post 9-11 anytime especially in vegas that's going to set off alarms like crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah. two uniforms pop they could have done something that the uniforms could have been put anywhere and and not been seen it's like it's lazy and it's even lazier that they actually like 
cut to it. <laughs> it wasn't like down in the corner you saw a little glimpse of the fabric. No, they cut they cut to the you know they I don't know. I just thought it in a way where I thought it was gonna be the thing that fucked things up. Like like not knowing what was gonna happen in this movie the first time I saw it. I was like, and, Oh, they're definitely gonna go back and, and this is gonna trip them up. You know what, Eric? You nailed it because I think that's why Soderbergh did it. He did it to to just basically uh, confuse the audience 100% I agree with that because the first time I saw it that might have been how I felt I don't remember specifically for that but there were a lot of scenes the first time I saw this movie that I thought the plan was going to go wrong but yeah. later we learned that it was all you know done on purpose and I think you're right I think that was just a little bit of a diversion for for the movie going audience that's a good point um, we so Danny Danny follows Tessa to the restaurant again and they have a conversation she's pissed at him um but he basically you know he disarms her with some sweet talk he lets her know he's just there to say goodbye he leans in for a kiss and as he leaves the restaurant he's met by the twins they said you know uh mr benedict wants to talk to you and danny's response is i thought so um we are now back with uh with terry linus and uh frank in the conference room that they're having a conversation so i want to play this clip all right roll it joe I got on the wrong one, I think. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Afternoon, Mr. Escalante. Should I call you Mr. Catton? You are Frank Catton, formerly of the Tropicana, the Desert Inn, and the New York State Penitentiary System. Are you not? Take it from your silence that you're not going to refute that. Mr. Benedict, I'm afraid you've been employing an ex-convict. As you know, the NGC... Goddamn cracker. Excuse me? You heard what I said. Black man can't earn a decent wage in this state. That is oh, absolutely like You're going to try to throw me sir. out on the street? No, I'm, throwing, I'm trying to do my job, yeah, sir. Yeah, do your job. What you want from me, man? Want me to get on the table and dance? You like me to shine your shoes? Want me to smile at you? You definitely won't let me deal the cars. You might as well call it White Jack. Bingo. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Ben, I just resent the implication that race has anything to do with it. Yeah, right. Horrible thing to say. <laughs> but you, sir, of all people know that we at the NGC have always supported the hiring of colored... No, no, I didn't mean... I didn't, I didn't okay, mean... Okay, okay, come on, sit down. Sit down. You better talk to him. Scott. Sit down. Sorry. Virgil, Kirk, deliver the package. I'm sorry. <laughs> you better talk to him. So it's just Bernie at his best because he improvised a lot of that, talking about dancing on the table and shit. That's all Bernie. Um, they I they call it white. Jack. Yeah, I think both both Andy Garcia and and Matt Damon broke. They had to redo the scene a couple of times just because <laughs> yeah. Bernie was just he was just weaving his magic. The guy was a fucking genius. Um, you want me to shine your shoes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get up on the table and dance. We might as well call it white jack. And then just the way he's like, he's got his arms tucked in. And he goes, <laughs> and I, you can't, even, it's, you got to see it. You really have to see it. Uh, it's masterfully done. And the, the ultimate motive of this entire conversation is so that Linus could pull his pickpocket move and get the codes from Terry. So during the altercation, when he says coloreds and, 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 and you know, Frank jumps up and comes at him, it allows him to bump into Terry, reach in and get the codes. So that was the whole reason for that. And that's one of the 
going back to the beginning of the cast, the list of different cons they pull, one of them is that specifically, and I don't remember which one it is, but um, that's from that. So, it's like a Shirley um, Temple or uh, some cute name. Some, I don't one of them. Yeah, I, I don't want to go back through my notes. <laughs> I can't wait to tear these notes up a second time, so I'm not going back through them right now. Um, so, you know, yeah, so we go from there. We see the Mormon twins now rolling the cart. They're, they're pushing that cart towards one of the back entrances. Um, they don't have a key card to get in, and they certainly don't have a key card to get down the vault. So they create it. They start fighting each other because not fighting with each other, arguing because they don't have a key card. And one of the other guards takes sympathy. Um, and, and this is definitely a convenient turn in the movie. I fully, you know, admit it. You know, they didn't. They couldn't know for sure that it was going to happen. Where the guard, you know, the other guard says, "All right, I'll take the cart down to the vault for you." Um, but they, he does. So that's fine. Uh, we got another, we got some more quick shots, you know, through the, through the video cameras. We see Danny being escorted by the twins into the back offices. Um, we see another camera shot of, of the guards bringing the cart and Zerga's case down to the vault. Um, Zerga is in the, um, control room and he looks very sick. He's sweating and, you know, he's shaky. Um, you know, this is Rusty's cue to suit up, he says, and he starts putting on a really badly fitting suit. Um, Livingston then radios Basher to tell him uh, he's pulling in the parking garage. Um, it's funny because that scene, the way it's shot, you see from the parking garage out onto the Vegas Strip and you see uh, the Paris Hotel in the distance and the Bellagio to the left and what's called the Jockey Club on the right. And that empty space is gone 20 years later or even 12 years later. The, the Cosmopolitan Hotel is built there um, and ev everything. In fact, two buildings were built. One building was built and torn down and another one built in its place in the time from that movie being shot till about 15 years later. It's crazy because that's the way Vegas changes. Um, mm. yep. Yeah. So um, Frank is escorted out. Um, he goes after he goes after Linus one more time, which is kind of funny. Makes him flinch. Uh, Linus is walking with Terry and he, he says, damn it, I forgot my pager. Terry is in such a hurry, he needs to get to the fight, um, you know, which is 20 minutes down the road. <laughs> he's got to go. He's got to get there because, you know, he's got to get to his teleporter. No, he didn't take the underground tunnel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, so he says, all right, just go and get it. You know, how, you know how to get out? Just go and get it. So that gives Linus the opportunity to head to the elevator uh, where he's going to go down to the vault. Um, we cut to now a scene of um, Danny in a small filing cabinet office room, and uh, he's going to meet up with Bruiser. So, uh, Joe, roll a clip. How much longer do you figure Mr. Benedict's going to be? No cameras in this room, huh? Yeah. Don't want anybody seeing what goes on in here. He's not coming, is he? Yeah, so they, the twins open a door, and there's a very large man. The twins are big, but this man, Bruiser, is very much larger than the twins. He's standing there, so we know Danny's in for a rough time. Um, we jump to a shot of the vault. We see the guard 
the two guards, one with the briefcase, one with the cart entering the vault. Um, they put the, the cart in place, um, and the other guard puts the briefcase on top of uh, the cart that has yen in it, which is obviously a problem. Um, you know, it cuts to, to Zerga again. He's seeing this, and he's looking even more sweaty. And this is definitely one of the scenes rem I remember watching the first time where I thought Saul was actually getting sick. Like, I didn't think that it was part of the gig, even though, you know, Rusty starts, it's his time to suit up. It was just, it was well played. It was definitely one of the, one of the diversions that Soderbergh put in there. And I thought Saul, you know, maybe he's actually sick. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, was, I was a little confused by that too on, on the first watch. I went into the second watch kind of, you know, cause again, full transparency, we talked this out already. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I was working under the assumption maybe that like he was really sick or even if he wasn't that first time that he started to get a little weird when he was getting yeah. dressed, like yep. it was just noted and maybe this is something we can use. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It was, de it's definitely a Soderbergh play and you know, I understand it's, a, it's used as a distraction to make you think this plan might not happen. Um, it's done well. Again, it, it sort of wears itself out as you watch it more obviously, but yeah. yeah. Um, so we now jump back to the room where Danny and Bruiser are, are in, uh, the twins have now left them alone. Bruiser takes a swing and hits Danny right in the face. <laughs> and, um, you know, which we expected to happen. We knew that Danny was in for a rough time with, the, with his goon. Uh, except we quickly come to learn that Bruiser is a friend of Danny. Um, and he wasn't supposed to hit him yet. Uh, he's basically supposed to help him um, and fake the hitting, which we'll get to. But um, he hits Danny, you know. And Danny just pats him on the back and has the wife, I'm pregnant again, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, yeah, so he's been hired as part of the heist. They threw him, they're going to throw him some money. We'll find out. I'll say it now. Throw him a couple of million, I think, is what he told Linus. <laughs> so, I, so Bruiser made out pretty well. Uh, Danny climbs up. He gets help from Bruiser to climb up into the vent system. Um, we got some more quick cuts that, that, that pop along right now. So we see Linus walking through the camera, a shot of the camera, the video surveillance, Linus walking towards the, the elevator. Um, He's spotted by the camera opera, you know, the camera monitor guy, um, as a he calls him a bogey, just as Zerga drops to the ground. So he's just the the guy is distracted by Zerga falling down, and that's the moment they need to have Livingston switch the camera from the live feed to the recording that they have, the loop recording, which is going to allow them to do this stuff without anybody noticing. Um, Linus enters the elevator. Um, as he opens, you know, the elevator closes. He puts the code in that he got from Benedict. And um, he opens the escape door on top. And he bends down to put his, um, you know, to, to suit up. And he looks up and Danny's looking down at him. And Linus gets a shit scared out of him. Um, you know, so it turns out that it's kind of funny that they played this loosey-goosey with this plan. Because basically the whole Danny's out of the plan was just to fuck with Linus. <laughs> it was it was no more than that. It wasn't to divert or, you know, create a diversion for anything else except to fuck with Linus. Which is a running theme through all three movies. So I understand, I guess it's the building of a joke, but that's all it was, is they were just fucking with Linus. Um so, you know, they 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 start getting ready in the elevator. Um 
Rusty heads into the control room. He's dressed as a doctor with a really bad wig. Um, that was, <laughs> I mentioned this the first time around too, that wig was used as a practice wig uh, for Mike Myers in, uh, in, uh, in Austin Powers. So when he rehearsed that role, not in the movie, when he rehearsed that role, he wore that wig as, when he did his Austin Powers because um, it's bad <laughs> and the suit doesn't fit or anything. Uh, we see Danny. The, Danny and Linus are prepping for the rest. So they're out of the elevator. They're below the elevator now, and they, they're connecting these uh, these drop rigs down to, to repel down the elevator shaft. Um, Rusty tries to revive Zerga, but he's, quote, dead. Um, the uh, twins stand outside the room, so we cut to the twins. They're outside this room that Bruiser and Danny are in, and Bruiser's faking beating up Danny. He's doing such a great job there. Yeah, it's as a so, big it's oaf so of a guy. Up. It's kind of funny the way he's doing it. He he punches his fist and then he puts his hand over his mouth. <laughs> it, it's it's so amateurish, but it's hysterically adorable. Now, what I find um, funny though is like the fact that like they can clearly hear everything that's going on in there. But yes, they didn't hear in the beginning when he they was didn't like, hear that. No, a hundred hundred percent convenient convenient turn, Joe. I, yeah. I, I I absolutely agree. Um, I like the so, idea that Bruiser like starts a new career in Foley. Like he just discovered a love for it in this moment. I know exactly. He pops up in the other movies too, or at least in the third one. I don't know if he pops up in twelve, but he's in he's in at least thirteen as well as Bruiser. He shows up. Um, so it's now Basher's turn to fire up the pinch. Um, he he's ready to press the button. He covers his groin, which was a a Cheadle ad lib. <laughs> he did that. Um, covers his groin, he presses a button, and it sends Vegas into darkness. Um, so the lasers are off. Uh, Danny and Linus are now able to repel down the shaft. Um, <laughs> I also mentioned this, but you know they they cut they use a knife to cut a steel cable. <laughs> yeah, that carried them down. Like they cut it like it's butter. I'm like, what the fuck? They could have just as easily carried clippers with them that would have done the job. But yep. I mean, they, they had just, batteries. so Exactly, they but they slice a knife across the steel cable, and it's supposed to just go, you know. Not as cool looking, man. The, uh, the knife. Come on. You're right. You're right. No, that's true. That's true. It was kind of funny. Um, so Vegas is in darkness, and then 30 seconds later, how long it was, once they're down at the bottom of the shaft, um, chaos. the lights come back on and chaos erupts. In the ring, the fighters are trying to get at each other, and the, there's all the, the seconds and all the, the other, you know, the trainers and stuff are all in there. They're all trying to beat each other up. Um, the, you know, the patrons in all the casinos are going nuts. They're just trying to steal everything they can. Um, it's kind of funny. They're all just grabbing chips and shit. And, yeah. Because, you know, like, because honestly, if something like that did happen, every chip on that floor is not frozen. You, you couldn't cash that in anywhere. <laughs> okay. So, you know, but whatever, it's cool. Um, we now see Yen. He's climbing out of the cart, and the, the, the briefcase is on top of it, but at the last second, he grabs the, the, uh, the handcuff chain and keeps the, the briefcase from hitting the floor and tripping the floor sensors. Um, Danny and Linus now, they, they open up the, the uh, elevator doors and see a couple of guards down by the vault, so they slide this little hockey puck-type thing down the hall and gas the two guards uh i'd like to know where they get these batman level gadgets that was definitely a batman level gadget there's no question about it well i mean maybe clooney just saved it Uh. yeah that's (laughs) good point good point i mean just the fact that he was able to slide it you know 
and have it stop exactly where he needed it to stop. Yeah. You know, even that in and of itself was incredible. But uh, yeah, cool gadgets. That's what I guess, you know, I think I read somewhere in the trivia that it cost, uh, it cost um, Elliot Gould's character uh, um, like $10 million to pull the high stuff. Mm. Yeah, because I was wondering, because they like, I mean, in half that budget just went to, to Saul Suits. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think it was, I think $10 million was the figure I saw, you know, but he's loaded, so it's fine. Um, and what I don't get is they had to, like, sneak his suitcase in there because it had the little explosives in it. Like, so they had to yes. give this elaborate excuse to get him to believe him just so he can get that in there, but they snuck a whole Chinese guy in there. Yeah, I know. I know, <laughs> like, right. He could have with, with like carried tank. He couldn't right, have just he, carried them with him? He could have carried them with him. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so so Danny, Danny and Linus, they, they open up the outer door of the vault um, because that is code-driven, so he's got the codes. You know, and then you've got Danny's comment. There's a 95-pound Chinese man with 160 million dollars <laughs> on the other side of this door. Um, so Yen is there. He preps to his backflip. <laughs> Frank, Frank actually wants to bet that he's going to short it, but Livingston <laughs> won't take the bet. He, in this case, he just can't even bring himself to do that. Uh, Yen not only doesn't short it, he overshoots it. <laughs> he almost falls down the other side, um, but he but he lands it, so he's good. Um, Yen plants the explosives on the vault door and, and gives Danny and Linus the signal, but his bandaged hand is stuck in the vault I, I door. I need to understand the mechanics of how how this bandage got stuck to this door. Yeah, I know. I know. He did. Well, he, he definitely over-bandaged himself. Like, he, he wrapped that like crazy. That was a lot of friggin' gauze. But yeah, it's like a right. mummy hand, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, who knows? It, it is a moving mechanism, but it didn't move. I, who the fuck and knows? <laughs> honestly, I don't understand. Um, wasn't his hand crushed? It's not bleeding, so why is there gauze? I guess it was to give him support, but you're right. It, they, no, like an ace bandage would have been yeah. an ace bandage would have been good, but the gauze was appropriate for getting stuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there was no blood when his hand. No, got no, crushed. no, there wasn't. It was he wasn't stopping bleeding. It that was just not the right. The, the right tool for the job. I mean, they have yeah. every other tool possible, but they can't fucking get like a proper hand bandage. Yeah, well, exactly. See, this is this is the one storytelling device, maybe not the only one, but the the biggest one that bothers me is when he crushes his hand in the door. Immediately, I thought, "Oh no!" Like he can't do his acrobatics anymore. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> that, that wasn't yeah. part of the problem. It's going to hinder his ability to pull this off. He right. he had no issues whatsoever. Except nope. for getting the gauze stuck in the door. Yeah, right. And what I'm understand is, why was that scene even necessary? Like, like, do we need to have the Kim stuck in the door just so they can show that they have batteries? Right. Because I mean, that's I get the, the thing. It, the it's tension, so, it, and you know, but like, it could have easily been a sleeve like that. It just didn't yeah. pay off for right. me. Yeah. No, I know it's definitely one of the flaws of the movie. There's no question about it. That and um, horse face. Okay. Yes, Jeff. that too. You're right. That's that's flaw too. Um. So yeah, we get to we now we already talked about it the battery. So so Danny and Linus think uh, Yen is clear of the door. So they take out the detonator. Danny presses it and nothing happens. And Linus gets on his ass and you check the batteries. <laughs> and then he pulls out an actual hard case of plastic thing with batteries in it. Yes, exactly. He just had it in his pocket. Um, 
you know, and then this this is this the, the gag the second time around where Linus gets to say, you know, you lose folk in this game for one second. <laughs> I know somebody gets hurt. I don't hear Yen complaining. <laughs> well, you're gonna in a minute. Um, so Yen gets free at the last second, and of course, then the uh, it detonates, um, and then we can play a clip. So, uh, yeah, the, the actor the actor who plays Yen, his English was not good. Um, they knew that going in, and it didn't matter. Uh, so I, I could just imagine him, you know, in his trailer, <laughs> just practicing that line, where the fuck you been, like over and over and over again. <laughs> just It just kind of came out. We understood what he was saying. Uh, but, yeah, the vault is decimated now. Like, there's shit everywhere. Um, those explosives are way overkill because all he needed to do was break the cylinders on the vault door. But they blew up half the fucking vault. So um, that was interesting. Uh, we had a quick shot now of the team on the video monitor watching uh, the three of them in the vault stacking the cash. Um, we now jump to Terry and Tess hastily leaving the fight because they get a long walk back to the Bellagio. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, they hear a cell phone ringing and they realize that Tess has got a cell phone in her pocket. It's not hers. Um, she answers a call. Uh, Terry tells her to answer, and, and the caller immediately asks for Terry. And Terry says, who's this? And, and Rusty, it's Rusty on the other end, and he's, you know, the man is robbing you. Um, Terry teleports to the command center in the Bellagio, because he's there instantly, <laughs> yep. um, to see what's going on. And the camera shows everything's normal. So, you know, uh, he says everything's fine to the caller, and the caller tells him, keep watching. Um, the monitor is now flipped to a live feed. Um, and then we get this conversation. So roll it, Joe. All right. You proved your point. You broke into my vault. Congratulations. You're a dead man. Maybe. Maybe. May I ask how you expect to leave? Do you believe I'm going to allow you to parade bags full of my money out my casino doors? No, you're going to carry it out for us. And why would I do that? Take a closer look at your monitor. As your manager's probably reporting to you now, you have a little over $160 million in your vault tonight. You may notice we're only packing up about half that. The other half we're leaving in your vault, booby-trapped, as a hostage. You let our $80 million go, and you get to keep yours. That's the deal. You try and stop us, we'll blow both cash limits. Mr. Benedict, you can lose $80 million tonight secretly, or you can lose $160 million publicly. It's your decision. Hi. Emergency response. 
Where's Danny? Danny's fine. He's in good form. He requests that you go upstairs and watch TV. He does. We have three men with explosives who have taken control of our vault. Okay. It's all right, Des. You have a deal. I promise. Fantastic. Here's what you do. The guys in the vault will deposit six bags into the vault elevator. The elevator will rise to your cages. Three of your guards will pick up the bags and carry them out into the casino. Now, if they take more than 20 seconds to reach the casino floor, or well, there's any indication a switch has been made, we'll blow the money in the bags and the money in the vault. He's in the casino by the slots. Of course I'm in the casino. In fact, I'm staying in your hotel. I have two words for you. Mini bar. As soon as your guards hit the casino floor, a white, unmarked van is going to pull up in your valet station. Your guards will load the bags into the van's rear. If anyone so much as approaches the driver's door, we'll blow everything. When I get word the van is away and the money is secure, my men will exit the building. And once their safety is confirmed, you will get your vault back. I have complied with your every request. Would you agree? I would. Good, because now I have one of my own. Run and hide, asshole. Run and hide. If you should be picked up next week by a $100,000 sports car in Newport Beach, I am going to be supremely disappointed because I want my people to find you. And when they do, rest assured, we're not going to hand you over to the police. So. My advice to you again is this, run and hide. That is all that I ask. say that man is headed toward McCarran Airport. Yeah. That clip so, was long, but it was worth it for the bass line. It really was. Yeah, I know. Isn't it great? I love the, the music. The, the score in this movie is, is what makes it for me. I mean, it's so good. Uh, yes, I mean, the end of that conversation, Rusty's, you know, because he was shot on the phone, laying on the counter. Rusty's not even listening. Um, and just really quickly, some trivia about, the, you know, uh, Andy, sorry, or Terry's line about uh, the $100,000 sports car. That comes from real life. Um, Steve Wynn, who's, the, you know, used to own the Wynn until he turned into a dick. But, uh, you know, big, big casino property. And his daughter was kidnapped back in the day. And oh, the, the kidnappers, she was released. I think she was fine. Um, and uh, the kidnappers were caught because they were trying, they were in Newport Beach trying to buy a $100,000 sports car. Um, you know, so they were trying to use some of the ransom money to get the sports car, so they were caught. So that was, that's this is just a nod to that. Um, so after that conversation, you know, um, everyone's on the move. The the suite that they rented is empty. Everybody's got different jobs to do at this point, so we're heading there. Um, we see the van filled with the money uh, headed to the airport, headed to McCarran, as we heard. Um, we see SWAT that has arrived, drop down the elevator shaft. Um, we are hearing all this, not seeing it because the, the power was cut down to the vault at the request of SWAT. 
So all here is audio of a firefight and then the vault exploding and all sorts of crazy shit like that. Um, at this point, Terry thinks that he's lost half of his money because the vault exploded. He's obviously very pissed off. Um, we cut to the van at McCarran. The guards shoot the tires out. Um, we jump back to Terry in the vault. Uh, SWAT lets him know that the suspects escaped. Um, he tells them to leave. You know, they, they say, well, you know, we should let the bomb squad check it out. But he's like, get out of my vault. Uh, we're back to McCarran Airport. Virgil, who's uh, driving, remotely driving the van, he's fucking with the guards. He's, you know, inching the van up, pissing the guards off, and they realize no one's driving it. Um, Ruben has had enough of that, tells him to do it. He explodes the van. Um, one of those guards should be dead from that explosion. Yeah, really. <laughs> In real life, he was way... And the thing is, I, I watched it again today, and he, the, the actor was absolutely that close to this fucking thing and even though it was a prop explosion that door flung open man um it was close for that guy it was but in real life he'd have been dead you know so they they definitely overloaded it uh it turns out with the explosion they think the money's gone but then they realize there was never any money in the van it was full of flyers for hookers uh so this is uh allowing terry to start to put two and two together he he's told this and he starts to figure it out um he realizes that a, a Bellagio logo that he had installed earlier in the week on the vault floor did not appear in the videos of the vault. So he's able to deduce that this video is faked. They made a replica of his vault, and that's how they've been pulling these shenanigans. Um, SWAT, we see SWAT exiting the casino with their, quote, equipment, their bags. Um, you know, the, the head SWAT guy in front lifts his visor, and we see that it's rusty. Um, the bags are full of the money that they loaded. Um, we get a quick flashback it, it, to tie this up, uh, showing Terry telling his casino manager to call 911, but because of Livingston's uh, shenanigans, the call is rerouted to the, the room, and Livingston answers as the 911 operator. So that's how we that's how we learn that the SWAT team, you know, they substituted themselves as the SWAT guys. Um, we see the SWAT van drive away, uh, and, you know, Terry starts putting two and two together even more, and he, you know, figures that Danny is involved, so he starts heading up there. Uh, so we're going to roll a clip, and this one is not quite as long as the last one, but it's definitely important to roll. Hey, Benedict. How's the other fight going? Pick him up. Ah. Do you have a hand in this? Did I have my hand in what? I'm gonna ask you one more time. Did you have a hand in this? Benedict. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. You're free to go. Show him out. Hello. Turn to channel 88. Who is this? 
What happened, Benedict? Did you get robbed or something? Stop. Seventy-two hours. I'll find out who took your money. You know a guy. Show Mr. Ocean the exit and contact the police. I'm sure he's in violation of his parole. Yes, sir. I would say yes too. <laughs> I know you would. Look, I get a hundred sixty million dollars and don't have to be with Horseface. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Yep, so, yeah, that's a, it's a great conversation. Um, I love the way Danny played him all the way. Um, so after this, Terry, uh, he heads towards the elevator. Um, and just as Tess is exiting, he's heading towards his apartment, and Tess is leaving the apartment. So they meet each other at the, at the elevator as it opens. Um, he, at first, doesn't understand why she's pissed at him, um, but then, you know, she lays out, because she is full of great, burns in this and this is such a great one she just looks you of all people know terry in your hotel there's always someone watching mm-hmm. so now he knows he knows that she heard everything he just said mm-hmm. and he's you know he's a shallow piece of shit so he he got his with this and she walks away um she walks away just as um this the it's not a song it's a piece i guess claire de lune um yeah you know starts playing um Love that music. Absolutely love it. It makes this movie. So that starts playing as she starts walking out. And uh, we get a montage. We're, we're winding things down here. We're at the end. We get a montage seeing the van pull up at the hideout. Um, and we see the gang head out. And the camera pans. And we see the Bellagio fountains going off in the distance. Um, you know, Tess is walking through the casino when she realizes that she was wrong. And, you know, she wants to be with Danny. So she she heads towards the exit to find him. He's being loaded into a squad car at that point because he obviously has violated his parole. Um, why Terry didn't know this at the beginning or didn't think about it at the beginning just to get yeah, him out right. of the way, you know, because he could have done that too. But in any case, um, you know, they hug, and uh, her question is, how long will you be? And his answer is about three to six months, I guess. Um, we see the gang now at the fountain. Uh, Claire de Lune is playing full blast now, uh, beautifully, uh, you know, over a shot of the fountains going off. The gang's there. They're all looking very content. Um, some of them are smiling. They just, I guess, you know, the adrenaline, they're coming down off the adrenaline, but they realize that they pulled this off. Um, and they start peeling off uh, one by one and walking away. Um, when Soderbergh filmed this, his only uh, direction for this scene was that Rusty should leave first and Saul should leave last and everything else should happen as they feel natural. So he just let them do it. So Rusty left first and then they started peeling off one by one until it was just Linus and Saul. They looked at each other. Linus left 
and then Saul, with this just happy grin on his face, um, walks away. Um, it's an emotional scene. Again, for me, you know, music can do that for me. So in this case, the, the score did it, and just you know, these guys pulled it off. It was it was such a cool moment. Um, the fountain sound at the end is real. For anybody who's not been to Vegas, the fountains make that explosive sound when they when they pop off like that. It's really very cool when you're there in person. Um, you know, we fade to black as Saul walks off. And then we see up on the screen, it says three to six months later. So I like that. Uh, we see Rusty sitting there. He's eating again. He can't help himself. He's got some shit stuck on his finger. He's flicking his hand to try to get it off. It's kind of funny. And then we will roll the final clip uh, to take us out of this movie. So hit it, Joe. I hope you were the groom. Ed Nugent called. He wants his shirt back. Thirteen million and you drive this piece of shit cross country to pick me up? Blew it all on the soup. Where are they? Back row, silver sedan, 10 o'clock. Stopped and picked up your personal effects. Hope you don't mind. I'm not sure these belong to me. Hi. Hi. We need to get rest of your girl. There's a women's prison down the road. You said that you sold this. Yeah, just a couple of quick things about that. So the dialogue in the beginning of that uh, was totally ad-libbed by the two of them. They made each other laugh talking about Ted Nugent's uh, shirt and all that shit. And uh, when when Danny says, I thought you sold that, he's referencing uh, Tess's wedding ring, which earlier in the movie she said that she sold just to, you know, burn him. Um, yeah, and, and the nearest women's prison from where they were is about 40 minutes away, so it's not right down the road. <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably the one from Orange is the New Black. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, and that's Ocean's Eleven. Um, like I said, one of my most watchable flicks. I'll, all three of them, 12 and 13, I, I, I will watch any of them anytime they're on. I, I love them all. So uh, that's why I was happy to do this. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I will say the ending, like, I, I get their doing the sequel setup maybe like at this point they knew they were they were coming in for round two but to have, have the that search for curly's gold the search for curly's gold yeah it's a classic <laughs> but to like to have the car follow them like as they drive into the sunset you know for lack of better words um the twins are following them in this silver sedan 
it feels like such a bummer not having seen the following movies. Like, man, I can't even enjoy this. <laughs> no, that's true. And you know what? If you go into Ocean's 12, they don't ever enjoy it. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's good to say. know. That's good they to have know. they have no opportunity to enjoy the money uh going through Ocean's 12. So, um yeah. At the end, yes, but yeah. Uh but no, I I get what you're saying. You're right. You're right. It puts a, almost a realistic damper on things to a otherwise like fantasy heist movie, you know. Yeah, it didn't get I didn't get quite the happy ending I I wanted. I got most yeah. of it. And again, yeah, I was yeah, looking like, for like a like Fast and the Furious or on like a Caribbean island. Like yeah. we're all here with our Coronas <laughs> and we're all family. <laughs> you mean like trading places? I live my yeah, life good. A quarter Shitting mile good. at a time. Quarter mile at a time. Hey, the new one's coming out, baby. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm in for those movies, man. They're so. Oh, they're they're just they're some funny. Fun. You kidding what, me? What's, what's your like, favorite uh, Fast and Furious movie? Um, <sighs> what's the whichever? One? What? Go ahead. I was going to say, what's the one where, uh, God, they're all running together now. I like the first one with, with Jason Statham in it. Which one was that? Yeah, see, I Number don't know. Number five, maybe? Yeah, no. Okay. With the one where no. they went to Rio de Janeiro? Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. With, like, the that rooftop chase and shit. That could be yeah. five, yeah. Whichever one had the 13-mile-long runway. I think it's my favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know which number it was, but when the fucking runway was 13 miles long. Yeah, that was in California. That was like the, I think I am four. Yeah, something like that. But my, the, my favorite is number two. The, with Tyrese. I, no, that was a good one. Ludacris. I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that one. I mean, and, you know, it didn't have course, Dominic Toretto in it. but The uh, star of the movie, though. Was who? That that R thirty four that he had for one scene that <laughs> Skyline R thirty four he literally yes. had for one scene then traded yeah. him for an eclipse. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. But that wasn't even the real star. The real star was Miami. The oh, that's why you. Right. You know what? You set me up. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't a bad movie, and I <laughs> yes. totally forgot the fucking thing took place in Miami. So of course, and Ludacris had a houseboat and a party. And Ludacris still had his Ludacris hair. He didn't like have his head yes. shaved at that point. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, yeah, we you know we we got to do we got to do it an overview, a fat Fast and Furious overview episode. Yeah, because we can't obviously do all the movies, but we got to talk about. You know, it'll be more than thirty minutes, but no, um, it'll probably be the length of a regular episode. But we'll just no, go through all be. the Fast and Furious, and yeah. we can just talk about the craziness that is because, like, even like Tokyo Drift, man, that gets shit on, but that's a guilty pleasure of mine. I dig that flick, man. Yeah, I but like who that the movie. fuck takes the V eight out of the Mustang? I know it hurts that that pain that. <laughs> physically pained me i i completely agree but it's you know just, that was it's interesting to watch those movies go from being about a thing to just being totally not about it anymore yeah yeah and it's you want to like you want hard man yep you want to feel old right the shit they were stealing in the first movie were like tv tube tv yeah. vcr combos <laughs> yes <laughs> that's what they were after you know because that's 20 years ago now too I think that was the same year. I think that might have been 2001 or thereabouts yes. when the first one came out. Oh, my but God, yeah. dude. You did, you did make me feel old. I See? appreciate no. that. Hey, welcome you to know, my club. You know what the irony is? That that uh, challenger he had yeah. in, in the first movie wasn't as old as when the first movie came out as the super he has is now. <laughs> yeah, God that's true. damn it. Very true. That's Very fucked true. up, Joe. Why yeah. you do Because that? that was like 95 or 96. Yeah. So like that Challenger was like a set, like a 70 something, like a, like a 73? Yeah, 72, 73, something like that. So yeah. like, so literally that's like a 23 year difference. Yeah. But now it's 
2021 and it's a 96 <laughs> Supra. So that's like a 25 year difference. That's I hate great. I hate when you do that. That's we're, that yeah, but so we're gonna, this 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 locks it. We've got to do an episode on, on this. This oh, that'll be sure. a fun one. Yeah. You know. You know so what anyway, else listen, did that for me was yeah. fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They opened that movie with a crime wave. Which one? The first one from like 90. The, the good one, right? The good okay. one. Yeah. And the crime wave is they're stealing like like Doug said, like these little tube TVs yep. off of like <laughs> Meemaw's balconies and shit. Yes. It's like, oh exactly. my God. Exactly. And Michelangelo was so fucking horny in that movie. <laughs> like, he was trying to get April that whole movie. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Do we wanna do we wanna go onto our ratings for this? Of course. Alright, so roll it, Joe. I am a movie critic by trade. And until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, rent the classic. Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. All righty. It gets uh, longer uh, every time. Should I play I know, it again? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Give it another, uh, give it another spin. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Joe, what do you got, buddy? Um, I watched this movie again today, um, even though I just watched it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I got to say, it's still it's a fun movie. I like it. I, I can Every time I watch it, it's going to be a fun movie. Um, I did have to power through a couple things that just disturbed me to the core. I uh, won't bring what those things are again, but let's just say Mr. Manzuka's covered it pretty good earlier. Um, <laughs> I'll go with a like a 3.7 on this movie. Okay, that's respectable. I get it. Yep. Um, Eric, what about you? Uh, I, I dug this flick, man. Like it, it was smartly written. All those little moving pieces that, that are they feel clever, you know, when you get to the end. Like I, I appreciate that, man. This is a this is a very enjoyable movie. Um, fantastic cast, handsome cast. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go and give this movie a three point eight. Excellent. All right. Yeah. So I mean, everything you guys said, um, it's definitely like I said because of that whole Christmas shopping sneak off see a movie thing. Um, you know, it it has some nostalgic value for me. Um, now that I've watched it like five times in the last month and a half, and 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 caught some of those you know convenient turns and you know silly stuff, um, it hasn't crushed anything for me. I'll still watch it anytime it's on. But um, this is definitely for me a solid four point out of five. Um, it's still in my top twenty of all time, but yeah, it's a four. It might have been a, it might have been higher, but you know, if you just asked me like you know two years ago, what I thought about it. But yeah, four out of five for me. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know what movie we're doing next. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. because we don't even know when we're dropping this one. But you know, um, just... 
So, yeah, I think it's probably going to be Star Wars Episode 6 that comes out after this with RJ, but I don't even know anymore. There's everything I messed. Search and Destroy yeah. messed everything up. <laughs> we we had a few wrenches thrown into the uh, gears, man. You yeah, know yeah, some technical difficulties. but Yeah, but we we'll be back, back soon with the getting it all on board right. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 we're almost there. Yep. Yep. Uh, we appreciate you guys getting here with us. Uh, you know, check out the uh, Facebook group, the Masters of the Cinematic Universe. And uh, if you really, really enjoy what you're hearing here, you can also become a Patreon of our show. Yeah, that would be great. We we mm-hmm. currently have one. Yes. Hey, man. And, and that Patreon's name is Hannah Christ. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter. No yeah. relation? Uh, no, she's related. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm used to she saying won't. no relation when I heard the word Christ. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's my daughter. Yeah, that's she's awesome, supporting man. the show. She yeah, listens yeah. to the podcast. She always has uh, from the beginning. It's definitely part of her routine, and she digs it. Um, she she focuses on the, on the, the movies that she's seen, um, but she specifically rewatched all the Star Wars movies because of the podcast. What, she realized her, that, what's her favorite episode of the show so far? Um, she loved the Shaun of the Dead because her brother was on it as well, and she's that's seen true. that movie. She's not. I don't know if she's ever actually sat down and watched it, but we've watched it so many times that she's watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. walking Fair in enough. and out of I'm, rooms and stuff. I was you know? definitely expecting the answer to be big trouble, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that she's seen that one, Joe. I can't. I can't say that she has. But anyway, <sighs> yeah, she's our first Patreon. But hey, people, get on board, man. You know, uh, every little bit helps. As little as a dollar a month gets you some some cool perks and merch, and uh, you know, it, the tears go up from there. So uh, you know, hit us up if you have questions. But get on the train, man. Yeah, that's it's a pretty uh, cool ride. You know. Patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. Um, all the tiers are there. It breaks down everything that we're offering. Um, and it starts as cheap as a buck a month, man. If you can't afford a buck a month, I can't help you. Yep. You get some cool stuff. Uh, I think, what does it go up to? Like five, ten? Ten. Well, you can give as much as you want, but yeah. I think the top I tier is ten bucks. Is mm-hmm. it ten or is it twenty? could be twenty for the top tier. But for the pick a movie one? Yeah. That really yeah. could backfire on us? Yes, exactly. That's you could true. really make us review some bad if you, stuff. If you I go mean, above it can't that. get much worse than what we've done, though. Like, <laughs> we've really no. like hit the bottom of the beer already. I don't know. I could find some stuff. But, hey, listen, as far as that $20 level, you could do it for one month and make us do the shittiest movie ever made and then you know lower that down don't if you want. I'm not saying Doug. you should, but Come on, Doug. you could do that. Don't give nah. them ideas. I'm just trying to get people to sign up. I'll take all, anything we can get. Secrets. That's true. If you if you do twenty a month, like they said, you can pick the movie. If you do thirty a month, we'll let you pick Search and Destroy again. <laughs> oh no! If I but you got it, you got to do a full year of thirty a month for Search and Destroy. That's, That's true. You can't just cancel it. That's not right. gonna work. <laughs> no, that would have to be thirty a month for a year, and then we'll redo that one. But seriously, though, if you do exceed any of those amounts, I, I think, I mean, it's okay with me to have to talk it over with the boys here, but I think we would be willing to have you on as a guest uh, for the movie you pick. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for 30 sure. a month? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, if we're going to shit on this movie, we want to shit on this movie to your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We want to so, hurt yes, you. So, yes, you're in. You're in. <laughs> yeah. We want to hurt you. Yeah. So, yeah. But, again, that's uh, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U check it out we appreciate it thank you for listening thank you for uh going on this ride with us we're having fun with it it's like i said you know not sure what's coming next it could be well we have another damn we have we have two star wars movies on deck yeah uh there's a lot there's a lot 
prepped. So um, yeah. it'll be a surprise to us and you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the next one's going to be Return of the Jedi because we already released Empire Strikes Back the week before this one came out. So Right, that's true. Yeah, well, I know for it us sense. it hasn't released yet, but for the listeners, they it probably just got released. done listening to the Empire Strikes Back with Travis Butler. You leave exactly. your time travel out of this, man. I don't know what yeah. the hell's going on anymore. Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, all right. all right, boys and girls. On that note, lights. Camera. A fuck off. So if you're uh, listening to Masters of the Cinematic Universe, you obviously love movies. Uh, I do too, because I host this podcast. And um, my pedal company, 37FX, um, definitely has a movie theme. So if you're looking for really cool guitar pedals and the bonus of having some uh, fun movie themes, uh, hit up the website, 37FX.com. That's the word 30, the number 7.com. Uh, you can find things like the Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzz and uh, soon to be released, the Tombstone Treble Boost, both, both based on some fantastic movies. So, uh, you know, hit the website up. We've got some great sound samples on there. And uh, you can also hit me up um, through Facebook or Instagram uh, with any questions you have. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys.